0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. Let's start there. I'm going to speak about the unshakable kingdom tonight. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Whose voice then shook the earth, now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, But also heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God. Acceptedly, acceptably, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. This passage comes directly after the famous Hebrews chapter 11, faith hall of fame. And Hebrews 11, remember, it just goes, by faith so-and-so did this, by faith so-and-so did that. And then we come into Hebrews chapter 12, and that speaks about the race of faiths, being surrounded by witnesses in heaven who have run the race on earth for Christ before us. In fact, those witnesses are the ones that were spoken of in Hebrews 11. Their their time was up. We know we're looking at the Commonwealth Games, and, and there comes a moment when the athlete who's been training and ready, it's their time, it's her time, it's his time to shine. It's their race, or it's their competition. They're on, the cameras are on them. And it's uh, gold, bronze, silver, or bus. It's their time. And Hebrews 12 is talking about the fact that it is your time. Everybody say, it's my time. time. It really is your time. Uh, We are on earth, and it is our time. Looking unto Jesus... As we are running the race for God, it's our time, it's our generation's time. We've got the supporters of the past, they're looking down to see how well this generation will run the race that they have already run. And at the end of the finishing line is Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And then it speaks about discipline, it speaks about God chastening those whom he loves Bringing people into line. How many of you know that God wants to bring order to a disorderly church? And he also wants to bring order to disorderly lives. Could it be that in our lives there is certain elements of disorder? If we are disorderly, God wants to bring order into our lives. Just like an athlete needs to, needs to be ordered An athlete needs to train. An athlete needs to be disciplined. So God is at work in your life and has been at work in your life and in my life and is bringing discipline and spiritual order into our lives that we might be effective during the time of God's race for us. And so that's why we come to this place, this glorious company that we just read about, talking about where we stand ...that we're not citizens of this earth. We're not of this earth. We're not citizens of this earth. I'm going to come back to this. But we are citizens of heaven, Paul tells us. We are citizens in heaven. That's where we belong. We are a heavenly people. We are a kingdom people. Just like Jesus said, our kingdom is not out of this world. Our power does not come from this world. Our supply does not come from this world... Our satisfaction does not come from this world. There is nothing this world has that is of any use to us. I mean, it's hard for us to get our minds around this, but it's true. There's nothing this world has to offer you that's of any value. You know, I was on, just come back from holidays, you may have seen, uh, Scotland for two weeks. No, just come back from Greece for two weeks. And I was going there, and I was just, I suppose I was joking, but I was semi-serious, and um, my wife, Nicola, kept telling me, just shut up, Bruce, because every so often I'd just say, do you know what, Lord, I'm done here, I'm done here, I've done it, I've done it, I've been here, I've had enough, I'm ready to go, I've raised my son, he's 17, he's doing theology, he wants to do theology at university, he's all right, he's sorted, i done, done, yeah, amen, and I didn't even, uh, I, d- I didn't even encourage him to do it, it was his own decision, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm done here, there's nothing left for me here, Lord. And I was joking, but the more I said, I thought. the more I thought, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's nothing here for me. I don't like it down here. It's a broken, fallen world full of nasty people, of which I'm one. And I don't want to be here anymore. And when I'm, the more I think about heaven and the more I think about how wonderful heaven is and being with you in the glory. No more sin, no more dying, no more hurting, no more being hurt. I'm thinking, I don't want to be here. I'm ready, Lord. Take me, Lord. I'm a Christian. Get me out of here. And, um, and Jake's laughing, and Nicholas saying, be quiet, Bruce. Be quiet, Bruce. Like, if I say it, some, some, something might happen. But I thought to myself, you know, when I say that, I feel a re-release. I don't want to be here. I want to go to heaven. I want to be in heaven. I, I'm done here. And, but then I thought, wait a second. Maybe the Holy Spirit is doing something inside me. You know, I don't have to be, go to heaven to be done with the earth. In fact, I can be done with the earth and effective on the earth. So, you know, I'm a Christian, keep me here, but keep me from the world. So I can come out of the world without going to heaven. And so, although I was saying this, and I was thinking, and the more I said it, the more I was like saying, I want to go to heaven. I'm sick of this, sick of down here. Can't wait till it's over. Can't wait to be in heaven. There's nothing down here for me. And then I thought, actually, that's quite a healthy place to be. Because if, there, if I'm getting to a place or if God is doing a work in me uh, that there's nothing here that I want, now I'm not there yet, but if He's doing a work in me to that end, there's nothing here I want, then I'm fit for service. I'm ready to serve, I'm ready for greatness, I'm ready for glory. Why? Because there's nothing on the earth that I, that I want. It's nothing going to keep me, nothing's going to soil it. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I think God is fitting us. He's, he's bringing us out of the world so that we can minister into the world. And so this brings me to this passage. Here we've got this picture, Mount Zion into the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. In other words, yeah, that's our home, that's who we are. We are citizens. We are the church of the firstborn. That is our home. And and it's like God wants us to know that. God wants us to root ourselves in the things, as we'll see, that cannot be shaken. And it's all there for us. Heaven is on our side. The patriarchs, the past saints, they're, from, they're bowing down from heaven and they're saying, Go on, do it. We did it. You can do it. Same God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He, he's the same God that brings revival. He's the same God that brings light where there's darkness. Where there's coldness, He brings the heat of His presence and His warmth. Where there's hardness, He brings the softness of the Spirit and the power of the Word. He's not changed. He's not given up on His church. He is the same God, working the same mighty works. And God wants us to yield to Him. And He's the mediator of the new covenant. He's there to bring to us the power of the blood of Jesus, to cleanse us from sins, to to free us from Satan, and to give us power to preach the gospel, make disciples, and work the works of God on this earth. So verse 25 is powerful. It says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. How many of you know there is a voice from heaven that's speaking today? God is on his throne and he's got a word for the church today. He's speaking today. God is not silent. God has a voice. God is prophetically prepare, preparing his people. He's speaking into your hearts. He's speaking into my heart. He's speaking about something that he wants to do. He wants to turn the tide of wickedness. He wants to bring in a move of the Holy Spirit. But, before, but in order to do that, he has to fit himself for people. He has to fit himself for people. He can't use Ishmael. He won't use Jacob in Esau's clothes. He won't use a David in Saul's armor. Who is he looking for? He's looking for a new move of Isaacs. People that will rely on God. People that will move in the fruit of the Spirit and make it their character and their principles of life. They won't try bringing the kingdom by carnal or fleshly means but they will be integrity. They won't be perfect, but they will be like Isaacs. They'll trust God. They'll trust God to bring blessing in famine. They'll trust God to bring them another well when someone brings contention over that well. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, because the stakes are high. And look at this. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. God is in the shaking business. And you can look at history, and throughout history, you see great shakings in history. Great shakings in history. Lesser shakings in history, but shakings, shakings, shakings. I think it's tomorrow or the next day, we are remembering the beginning of the First World War. Was it only a hundred years ago? And when you think about the great shaking that came with the First World War, you'd have think that was the shaking to end all shakings. We get the Second World War. God shakes in various means and various ways. He's shaking the Middle East right now. I think we've all noticed that. He's shaking Israel. He's shaking Palestine. He's shaking Egypt. He's shaking uh, um, um, Iraq, yeah, it's just shaking, shaking, shaking. Things are being shaken. Things that seem stable, stable regimes, stable areas are being shaken. God is allowing these things to be shaken. God has shaken the finances of the world in the past. God shakes at different levels. He shakes at national, global levels, but also city levels, family levels, and personal levels. One thing I guarantee, shaking is coming. Now, when he says, yet once more, this means that he's done it before. And I'll show you the context of this verse in a minute. That's the God, the God who shakes. Why does he shake? Why are there shakings in the earth? Why in sometimes in our lives do we have seasons of great peace, great stability, seasons of refreshing, seasons of strength, and then suddenly we enter into great seasons of turbulence? You know, like you're in an airplane and everything's plain sailing, then all of a sudden turbulence? I don't like turbulence. I just don't like it at all. You know, I start to get sweaty palms and turbulence. It's just shaking. I'm thinking, you know, it's not right. Man man wasn't created to fly. And I start thinking all these things. It's turbulence. And I can't wait for turbulence to stop. And then it's God sends turbulence in our journey. Sometimes it's true. We lift our wings like eagles and we soar into the heavenlies. And we're there soaring with the Holy Spirit in praise and worship. And God is just blessing and the Holy Spirit is under us. And there we are soaring and then suddenly we hit turbulence. And we think, what's going on? We wonder whether we're going to fall. God allows that. It's part of his purpose. One of the big acts of Christian maturity is not to panic when turbulence comes. Not to get sweaty palms when the air starts turbulence, when things start rocking, when things start moving, and you begin to feel that insecurity coming into your life, and you begin to feel that fear creeping up and wondering, and and, and then what can happen is that when you get fear, you start grabbing at anything to hold on to. It's like, my, you see, I, I don't like landing, and my wife doesn't like taking off. <laughs> and I don't like turbulence. We both don't. And so, but, so we're, we're, when we're taking off, like we were fr- from Gatwick, we we're taking off, and I know what's going to happen. It happens every time. And I'm there, and I'm fine. I don't mind taking off. Then all of a sudden, a ham, hand comes over and holds my hand. I'm thinking, all right, but I know what comes after this. I know. So I'm holding her hand. And that's all right, because Nicola doesn't like taking off, and I don't like landing. Um, but I'm all right. So we're taking off, and it always happens. And all of a sudden, have you ever taken off? And then it sounds like the engine starts. The engine's... <laughs> and it sounds like the engine's cut out, or something like that, or it gets a bit bumpy. And immediately that happens. She squeezes my hands and grabs me, and I'm like, ah! Oh! Get off me, woman! I don't... Mind. And then when when we're coming into land, I just don't like it. And you feel you, oh, we're coming in smooth. And suddenly, I don't, it's turbulent. And when that happens, like my wife, you grab for something. I don't grab for her. I just dig my nails into the thing. I'm (laughs) grabbing, why? Like, if I hold on to the chair, I'll be all right when we crash. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Or like, Nicola grabs hold of me and the engine stops. It's going to be all right. Well, what can happen is... When the turbulence of circumstances hit our lives at whatever level we're talking about, we can begin to grab for things to hold on. But those very things that we're holding on are usually part of the things that God is shaking. And so it says, yet once more, indicating the removal of those things that are being shaken as things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. You see, God wants you blessed. He, he, wants, he knows that we are pilgrims in an unholy world. We're on a journey. We're pilgrims. We're like our father Abraham. We might, might, might not be traveling from Ur in the Chaldees up into modern day Palestine. We might not be doing a physical. But we're on a journey. You're on a journey. You're not just living life. This isn't just a life where you get a job hopefully, or you get an education, or you, 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 you get some recreation, you live week by week and month by month, and maybe you get married, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, and, and you're just living life, you are on a mission from God, you're on a journey with God, this is a journey, you're a pilgrim, you're going somewhere, God has a plan, God has a destiny for you as an individual and for us corporately. And what God wants, he understands that this world is fallen, broken, and there's nothing in this world of any value to us. But the problem is, the world is the very thing that the flesh part of us grasps, desires, wants, seeks after. It's the works of the flesh. And so what God does in his mercy is he doesn't leave us holding on to these trinkets holding on to these false comforts, false securities, holding on to that which is of no eternal value, no eternal importance. God, if he just left us there, we'd just be going after these things, holding on to these things, and we'd be like those that aren't saved. We'd have no hope in the future. It would just be get it all while you can. The now is everything. There's nothing more Desperate than a human being who believes that after they die, nothing takes place. That's all they've got. So God doesn't leave us. God brings shaking so that we can see that some of the idols or the false things that we put confidence in, they are not worthy of our confidence. Confidence not worthy of our desire. And some of the things that we prize are not worthy to be prized. Some of the things we put our energies in are not worthy of the energy that we put in. Some of the things we give attention to are not worthy of the attention that we bring to them. Some of the things that give us pleasure that we seek after are not worthy of the pleasure that they give us. The pleasure is fleeting. The pleasure is not satisfying. But we wouldn't know any better until God sends a shaking, a turbulence. And then during that time, the things that have grained our attention from the world, they're not there when we need them. The money's not there, it doesn't fulfill the need. The happiness is fleeting by the things that we seek after the, for the world We're not fulfilled any longer. All of a sudden, everything is shaking, and the things that we're holding on to, or the things that we're pursuing, it just becomes like sand in our hands. We can't grasp it. It, it, It's meaningless. And all of a sudden, if it works right, and the Holy Spirit is working on the inside, as well as turbulence on the outside, we begin to say, what's happening? What's this all about? Panic stations. What's my life about? Why am I here? Life is getting on. I've only got a few years left. Where's my focus? Where's my value? What's it all about? And it's God shaking so that the things that are of this world can be demonstrated to be what they really are earthly passing trinkets, as things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken. May remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, in other words, God wants to impart and put in our lives something that is unshakable, an unshakable kingdom. And what God is wanting to build is an unshakable church. He wants you, seriously, I mean this, He wants you to become unshakable unshakable, unshakable. Can you imagine that? That's what I want to be. I think that's what I I desire to be more than anything else in the the world, (laughs) to be unshakable, to be totally unshakable. You say, are you? No, no. But can you imagine being unshakable? Nothing shakes you. Why? Because you're with God. No turbulence that comes, no circumstance that comes your way can shake you. Why? Because your life's not founded on the ups and downs of the currents of circumstances. But you've already said to yourself, there's nothing here to keep me but God. And you know that the worst thing that can happen is you go to be with the Lord. And so once you've dealt with the fear of death, there's nothing else to bring fear. You know, sometimes when I'm in that plane and it's turbulence, I'm thinking, you know, I might die, I might might die. And I think, well, yeah, you might die. Well, then what happens? Well, everybody dies. Everybody dies. You know, one day we're going to face death, should Jesus tarry. Everybody dies. Isn't it funny how death seems so alien to us? All our forefathers died. All our generations, they've all passed through death. And yet, when we think about dying, we think, I don't want to die. Do you know why? That's natural, because death is the most alien thing in the world. Death is the final enemy that God's going to deal with. Death is the most alien thing in the world. It was never God's purpose for us to die. And so that's why we have this natural recall. But when you realize, when you, when we can, if we could get to the place and say like Paul, <clears throat> for me to die is gain. Whew. To die is gain. To die is gain. I mean, I was just joking, saying, "Ah, um, take me, Lord. I'm done here. There's nothing left for me. Well, what if he said, okay. Oh, no, 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 it's all right. No, I was joking. It was a joke. I was just joking with my wife. No, just a few more years, Lord. But what if he said, yeah, I'll take it"? And I went, good. Gain. Death is gain. I tell you what, that's why Paul was unshakable. Storms on the sea couldn't shake him. He's like, the storms came. He says, don't worry about it. I said, what do you mean, don't worry about it? Don't worry about it. God's told me I'm going to Rome. Yeah, but there's a storm. Don't worry about it. My life is not founded on this storm, but my life is founded on the word that has been spoken to me. And I shall not be taken from this earth until my job is done. Just be glad you're on the same boat as me. And then he gets past the storm, and he goes up on the island, fixes a fire, He's been through the storm, he's unshakable. Everybody else is exhausted, he's unshakable. He's telling people, relax, God shown me not one will be lost. He's unshakable. Then he gets up there and everybody's exhausted. They're just shaken out of their minds, they're exhausted. He's the one fixing the fire and then out comes a viper and fastens himself on it. And everybody's shaken. You see, death got you in the end. And what does he do? He just shakes it off. He's not shaken, he shakes it off. God doesn't want us to sh- be shaken. He wants us to shake it off. Shake off the fear. Shake off the negativity. Shake off the circumstance that is trying to domineer us. and dom- Shake it off. Don't be shaken. Shake it. And, and he just shook it off. Why? He said, because I know. God's spoken to me. I've got a plan and a destiny. I'm going to Rome. All the vipers in the earth can fasten their teeth on me. There's nothing that this world can do to me lest my Father permits it. Jesus was the same. There was times when he would just walk through angry people because of his understanding of his journey and his destiny. Everything was shaken around him, but he was unshakable. I mean, my goodness, his first sermon, he nearly got killed. He went there, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, to proclaim good news to the poor, sight to the blind, healing to the brokenhearted. And then it says they all wanted to kill him. And they took him to a cliff to throw him off. And what did he do? He just turned and said, it's not my time, and walked right through them. He walked right through them. And if it had been his time, he wouldn't have minded. Look, God is in control. God is in control of your life. The devil is not in control of your life. He thinks he is, but he's a liar. God is in control of your life. Why do you worry? Not even a sparrow falls without his permission. I remember once when I was driving down the motorway, back down through Birmingham, I was on a motorway, I was just driving down there, and I, just, and I just, for some reason, I just flicked my look up to the left, and as I looked, I saw a bird in the air just drop to the floor. And then as I moved forward, I saw it, and it was dead by the side. It just dropped dead. And I thought, what a strange thing. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me of a sparrow falling. And I thought to myself, what were the chances of that? What were the chances of me being on the motorway, driving just the right, you know, 69, or whatever it was, <laughs> not stopping to get a coffee, but just the right time, to be at the right place at the right time, and then what were the chances of me just gate glancing up? What if I glanced the other way? All these chances coming together... And then that happens, and it was God speaking, it was God saying, I am in total control of every minute detail, and every second, and everything that comes your way, and if it looks like circumstances are against you, don't worry, I'm Lord of the circumstance, it's all part of my plan. (laughs) Consider it joy when various trials come. Why? Because it's part of his plan. The trials are the shakings. The trials are the shakings, the trials are the makings, the trials are there. And what will happen is, if a trial comes and you're too based in the world, the trial will shake you down. But if you're grounded deeper and deeper with God, he'll never send a circumstance you can't deal with. But if you're grounded in the word, if the kingdom of God is increasingly in your life and the principles of the kingdom, you will increasingly become stronger and more impervious to the works of the enemy. Till there'll be a place where you can see, like Jesus, the prince of this world's got nothing in me. It's got nothing in me. Unshakable people. When God brings revival or a move of God, the first thing that He does is raise an unshakable people. They just don't care. I mean, they do care, but they don't care. Do you know what I'm saying? they're just going you're going to burn me at the stake? Do it. You, you're going to stone me? Do it. You're going to put me in prison? I'm sorry. There are more important things than staying out of prison, serving my God. Now, these things, you and I, well, I certainly would recoil at. But what happens is, God is working in us. An unshakable quality. And he wants us to grow. Do you know, the more unshakable you become, the more your joy will increase. The more your joy will increased Because it's a joy that the world can't give. And it's also a joy that the world can't take away. Why? Because you're getting unshakable. You know, the mature Christian... Just bring it on. I'm not asking for trouble, but I'm not running from it either. Bring it on. And and if I shake, I know that God is just shaking me down to get me stronger. Every time you come through a trial, you come through a little bit more maturer, a little bit more stronger. You learn the kingdom principles work. You learn that God's true to his word. Now, where does this passage yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven, come from? Well, if you want to turn to Haggai, Chapter 2, and this is the context, and this is what the author of Hebrews, who was Paul or a disciple of Paul, is referring back to. So let's see it in its, its original setting. Haggai chapter 2, the coming glory of God's house. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltel. Governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and be strong... All you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word which I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts once more I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So here we see a situation of a restored people. And they're looking at what's happened so far and they're thinking, is this it? Thinking, is this this it? And they're disappointed and discouraged because they're thinking of former glories. They're thinking of the former glories of David's tabernacle and Solomon's temple. They're thinking of their past history, of God's visitation. And they're looking at the past and the glory of God. And here they are, A small people, a handful relatively of people that had come out of Babylon. And there they were. And that which they had built, the temple, was nothing in comparison to that which some of the older people even remembered. And they were discouraged and they were despondent. And God said, don't be discouraged. Don't be despondent. Because I'm going to do something. You may look small, but I am going to shake the heavens. I'm going to shake the nations, and I will shake, and the silver and the gold is mine, and the glory is mine, and I'm going to restore the honor of my name, and I'm going to bring it all back to you. You see, this was not so much a shaking of them. They they were told not to fear. They were told to be encouraged, to continue to work, continue to believe, What God was going to do was shake the nations. Now, I've spoken about the shaking that's going on in our lives so that we can become increasingly unshakable. That's what I love about the New Testament church. And that's what we must model ourselves on, the New Testament church. They were an unshakable lot. Stephen was unshakable. The apostles were unshakable. They were unshakable in the face of the enemy. They were unshakable in the face of... Nothing could shake them. Nothing could shake them because they were founded on something that was unshakable. They were kingdom people. They were receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And what's happening is God is shaking his people so that we become increasingly unshakable. And then what he's going to do is he's going to shake the nations. I mean, he's going to shake them. He's going to shake those principalities and the current principalities that have been lording it for too long. And the arguments of the principalities, and the philosophies of the principalities, and the falsehoods that have been dominating not only nations but God's people. When God's people try and answer and it seems that their answer just falls from their mouth without power or unction. And it seems that the words of false philosophy, false religion... Sin is dominating. And and the arrogance of the uh, spirits that are reigning right now, God is already shaking them. It's God. It's God that's shaking. God is shaking. And God, God can save a nation in a day and he can bring it down in a day. He can do whatever he wants. And he's getting us strong. Because when that shaking comes, the church will be ablaze ablaze with passion we won't be speaking the language of Babylon anymore I don't know about you I'm tired of speaking the language of Babylon there's a whole speech there's a whole whole expectation that the media and everybody else expect Christians to speak with to hell with their Babylonian language and their Babylonian correctness to hell with it that's where it's going but we can't challenge it until the anointing comes you hear what I'm saying? Because if we do, we just get knocked down. That doesn't mean we have to fear. It means we have to get strong. We have to get strong on the inside. We've got to get real with God. God is getting real with us. You know, you can even shake yourself. Shake yourself. You know, I've learned... Well, I'm still learning. (laughs) But one of the things I'm learning, better to shake yourself than have God shake you. Uh, Better to discipline yourself than have God's discipline come. Has anyone ever been disciplined by the Lord? I have. Not enjoyable. Not enjoyable. When you've been disciplined by the Lord, it's a lesson you don't want to learn twice. Because he spanks hard. He disciplines hard. He really is a hard disciplinarian. Why? Because he loves us so much. Can't leave us in that rubbish. Can't leave us in that that stuff that's bringing us down. Can't leave us in that mire. Can't leave us in that swamp. Can't leave us in that senselessness. No, he's going to come in, he's going to shake us. and he's, and. He's But we can shake ourselves. We can get ourselves on the word. We, we can be, like I preached a few weeks ago, I'm going to come to a close now, but we can be people that build themselves on the rock and not on the sand. You see, when, you, when you're built on the rock, it doesn't matter what's going on the outside, can't shake you. But if you build on the shifting sands of everything that this world's got to offer, if there's no difference between the Christian and the non-Christian, except with some, some sort of belief system in the mind, if there's no difference in action, if, there's, if, if we try and, and get our way the same way they get their way, if there's no distinction, if there's no demarcation between us and them in the way that we live our lives, then when God shakes, we'll just, we'll just be the same. We'll just be the same. We'll just be Christians in name. Yeah, we'll go to heaven, but we'll be no good on earth. But we can shake ourselves. We can begin to place ourselves and, and put ourselves. The person that hears his words and does them is like the man who builds his house on a rock that when the winds and rains come, it doesn't even touch him. But the person that takes the easy options, the worldly options and builds his life of the principles of the world is like building a castle on sand and even the lightest of winds can come and all of a sudden it says the house falls and great is that fall. Have you ever had a mighty fall? Have you ever had a mighty fall? where you've been doing things the wrong way, where you've been backslidden, or you've been, you've been operating in anger or bitterness or unforgiveness of the works of the flesh, and you've got so into that thing that it's dominating your life, then all of a sudden, like a house of cards, it all comes down around you. Have you ever done that? I've been there. I've been there, and you think, my God. And you pick yourself up, and you think, what a waste. God doesn't want you to waste one moment. And as we finish, it says, verse 28, Therefore, in Hebrews 12, since we are receiving, it's present, right now we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God. God is fitting us in these days of shaking to serve him so that we're untainted. And you know, this isn't just for us and for God. People are looking for people that will be unshakable. Have you noticed that? People everywhere, they're looking for somebody that's got their act together. Somebody that's secure. Somebody that isn't shaken. at That's what the world is looking for. They're looking for something, some sort of security. And it starts with Jesus. Let's just bow our heads in response. Shaking. Everything that's not of God in your life. I pray that everything that's not of God in your life is shaken in the name of Jesus. I pray first that God will give you wisdom that you may shake yourself. But if not, I pray this prayer over your life. That if you don't shake yourself, I pray that God will come and shake you and shake everything in your life that is not of him. It won't be good at the time, but I pray that he'll do that so that you come out unshakable. That you toss toss the trinkets of this world away. Get for yourself treasures from heaven that neither rust nor fail you. I pray God's blessing and wisdom on your life. I pray for those of you that are in a shaking moment right now that you won't Run to the things of this world but you'll run to God who is your sure and certain fortress. A help in every present time. Run to him. Run to his arms. Run to his word. Pray the shaking out. Operate according to kingdom principles and you'll find that these shakings will begin to cease and the shakings will be on the outside, but there'll be great peace on the inside. I pray that God will establish you in your most holy faith. I pray that he will establish in you his word. Your word is truth, Lord. Your word is strength. Your word cannot be broken. I pray that you will establish your saints in your word, in your truth. I pray, Holy Spirit that you will teach them the things of the kingdom and impart to them kingdom truths, kingdom values, kingdom principles, and kingdom fruit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will wean them off the things of this world, and I pray that you will establish them in the things of God. Make them an unshakable Christian, an unshakable body, a people impervious to the things of the world, strong on the inside. I pray that you hear my prayer today, tonight, Lord, and that you will work the works of God in every life tonight. I pray that you will not leave them tossing and turning on the seas of this fallen, broken world, but I pray that you will establish them on a rock that is higher than themselves. I pray that you will make them firm and strong in their faith in the name of Jesus if there's anybody in this place tonight and you came here and you're not a Christian and you say, I'm t- let me tell you something. If you're not a Christian here tonight, if you're not right with God, you're not just in shifting sands. My friend, you are in sinking sands. And if you reject the Saviour, then you will be dying your sins sucked into eternal torment and punishment. A place never designed for you. A place designed for the devil and his angels. Heaven was designed for you. What more could God do to forgive your sins and send his own son to carry the punishment that is rightfully and justfully yours. And all you have to do is believe in your heart And confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord and raised from the dead. And in an instant you'll be saved from all your sins. You'll be forgiven and you will be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You will be pulled from the sinking sands of sin, death and its consequences. And you will be placed in the firm foundations of the kingdom of God that will never perish, never fade away, that will last forever and ever and ever, and your soul will be safe in the arms of the Master. If there's anybody here tonight and you want to make certain, and my God, you'd better make certain tonight that you're right with God, lift your hand and I'll pray for you. And you can go out with the sure and certain hope that your sins are forgiven you that you are going to heaven hands up there anybody else just lift your hand say yes Lord I receive forgiveness of sins downstairs you you walk out tonight saved or in sin there's no middle ground lift your hand receive forgiveness of sins I want a ministry team to come forward right now. A hand there at the back. We're got to release kingdom power into your lives tonight. Whatever it is, whether it's sickness, whether you need someone just to pray with you in the midst of the storm, whatever it is, we're going to pray for you. But right now we're going to Just respond to the Lord in the last few minutes of this service and as we do that, come forward for any prayer that you need and we're going to sieve our lives just take stock of our lives and we're going to say, you know what? I want to be unshakable tonight. I want to be strong in the things of God. I want to leave the shaking behind. I want to be strong. Let's just stand together right now. Next Sunday we have Incredible George Verwa, global missionary. And he's going to come and minister a passion for this world that's going to set us all on fire. And that's going to happen next week. But right now, we're just going to respond to the Lord. If there's anything you need prayer for, don't hesitate. Come down from upstairs. Come to the ministry team. And we're going to believe God to meet your need tonight. Amen.